Welcome to Eva, the Relationship Maker podcast, where we talk about experiences, train wrecks, and triumphs, relationships, which are the foundation of society and life in general. I'm so happy and thrilled to have my next guest. His name is Glenn Sandifer. He has 20 years of experience in regional and national field sales and marketing roles. While building his career as a professional, Glenn has learned that success in the workplace is often at odds with the intimate relationships. He understands how busy people can enjoy their work, but often fail to build or maintain healthy personal connections outside of office. If you don't mind, I looked into your bio and I see that you are a very busy person. You don't just have your... Um, your consulting service, Glenn Sandifer Consulting, which aim at aiding smaller security dealers in developing winning programs and plans for predictable revenue and long-term success. But you are the vice president in the AAISP Tennessee chapter, which is a leadership sales organization. Correct me if I'm uh, if I'm wrong. No, correct. You are also a member of the Greater Nashville Chamber of Commerce, Nashville Black Chamber of Commerce, and member of Gamma Phi Chapter or Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Inc. is going to celebrate 111 years now on mm -hmm. November the 17th. And basically, it's an organization that um, serves the community. So, Correct. hi, Glenn. It's so nice to have you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and talk to your audience. And not to forget, after all these achievements, you just wrote a book. You are an author, accomplished author. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> and the name of the book is The Middle Ground, and I read it. I love that it's short, but to the point because too many stories, sometimes it dilutes the book, but this one is so well written and it's about relationships, about current dating outcomes, modern dating, about balancing relationships with career and kids. And we know that this is the hardest part and yes. um, how to get married without compromising one's business. That's going to be interesting, but let's start with the basics. How and mm -hmm. when did you decide to write this book? Well, I actually didn't want to write a book. It started out what is now the middle ground as a number of articles in the late 2000s, early 2010s, just as my thoughts as I kind of navigated my career about where relationships uh, were going, where dating was going and where the state of marriage was. Uh, so I kind of took that, put it to the side as I had some other business ventures, uh, my first accidental con consulting practice, another consulting practice, uh, working and developing, moving, uh, meeting my now wife. And then I just kind of put it on the shelf. Then as I got back into a leadership capacity, I realized that coaching around uh, men and women in the workplace had really not changed from my days of my articles in the 2000, 2000s and 2010s, and that maybe there was more to it. So I began consulting, um, uh, you know, doing one-to-one -one, uh, coaching and consulting uh, for individuals that were looking to get to the next level, individual contributors to supervisors, supervisors to managers, managers to directors. Um, and then what came out of those discussions was I'm not getting the relationship outcome I want, and I don't understand why. So I found that there were some common themes that regardless of location, regardless of race, really, socioeconomic, socioeconomic um, uh, stature, people were having the same issue. And it was really about the opening line of the book that talks about how now in today's society, both men and women have more access to money, more access to opportunity, more access to connections and relationships, but we're having worse relationship outcomes than any point in the history of our world. Why is that? And thus, I believe in my hypothesis that it's because we are unsuccessful in reaching the middle ground with a significant other to have that lifelong partnership and eventually uh, have the relationship outcome that most people are looking for, which would be marriage. So you categorized men in six types of men. 
And it's really interesting. It's the high value man, mm -hmm. which is, I think it's in uh, towards extinction, like the dinosaurs, it's only 5% of them they are. So <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So you think that you think they're going extinct, high value men? Well, unless they something is going to happen in the families and they, uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened with the structure, and it seems that it breaks down even more. Maybe because of lack lack of a parent, like a father, mm -hmm. who can teach the son how to behave, how to be. Maybe that's what has to do with it. That people. Um, not necessarily, because we have a. There are a number of high value men who may have come from a single parent household, either mother or father raised them. I think it's just the sheer economics and numbers of it. In most instances, in most any, uh, you know, we're, we're talking first world problems. Any, uh, you know, established country, high value is going to be 10% just off the top. So, and if you take a look at your own personal life and your audience takes a look where they work in their family, in their friend groups, uh, and in their, you know, the groups around people that they know at their church or, you know, at their, their lodge, 10% of them will be considered top performers in any area. And high value has more to do with the individual and the long-term journey and long-term success than anything short-term, which is why it's the smallest percentage of any given population. I think that you're correct. I believe, and I have categorized men and women into six different categories. And of those six different categories, I find that high value is the one that gets the most discussed, but it's the least likely uh, to uh, be found by most people. I say, you know, if, if your audience knows anything about Pokemon, the top Pokemon are the psychic Pokemon, fire Pokemon. That's less than 10% of any given market when people are out playing that little Pokemon Go on their phone. Um, so you have to put in work in order to get to that level. What we find is that most of the population falls into one of the three categories. They're going to be the F boys or the city boys. I'm pretty sure your audience knows all about them. Uh, you have guys, and then you have males, women, men. And when they come into contact with a man, modern or traditional, or even the rare uh, times they come across a high-value man, they attribute their trauma and their experience with those three men to those other two groups of men, traditional, modern, and high-value. And it's a completely different um, outcome and activity that those groups have. Okay. You have uh, then uh, the productive men, men, and uh, the uh, white and blue color mm -hmm. and modern men, males, guys, and dudes. Uh, that's funny. Mm -hmm. Hot boys, city <laughs> boys, F boys, as you said, and you have the boys. Yeah. So the rest of the category, how they can or what they can do to become a high value man, what is required of them and how they can get help if they want to step out of that role that they're playing right now. All right. Trigger warning. It's going to take time and work. So two bad words in this space of content creation, time and work. People don't want, they don't have time and they don't want to do the work. It's going to take time and work. So let's start with the tradition. Let's start with the outcome of a traditional man. He's going to typically start as a boy. I outline in the book what a boy is. Most of us know boys are immature. They play with toys. They don't have control of their emotions. They're not someone that you would ever consider from a long-term relationship standpoint, even as a girl, because they're just a boy. So a boy has to mature from an age standpoint. That takes time. The boys are the, at risk of transitioning into the next three areas. And those three areas are F-boy, city boy, guy, and male. So let's say they go and they, they're a boy. They love toys. So in our society, that would be video games, working out. Uh, low-cost entertainment, low-cost food, a lot of, uh, you know, experiences. They become an F-boy because they're great at that, because they don't have the emotional maturity or the interest in developing those emotional skills. They tend to struggle with the emotional connection necessary for any version of a woman. And so that's where they struggle and they get stuck. They do become proficient in earning enough money to pay for their lifestyle, 
the F boys of the city boys are the guys that have very good charisma. They look the best. They're in the best shape. They dress the best. They're popular. The F everyone in your audience that's female has dealt with an F boy and they found themselves stuck or lingering, hoping he could become more. So let's say he comes out of that and matures and says, you know what? I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the fancies. I'm tired of going to Vegas for boys trips. I'm ready to step into the next level. He can skip the other two steps by taking time, working on himself, healing from any emotional trauma, learning high value skills, developing what he needs to be in order to be a husband and a father. And then he can go into traditional man. But he could then enter into the area of guy. He's, you know him, you work with him. He's at the gym. He's at the coffee shop. He's nice, but he's not someone that you would ever truly consider long term. He's not even someone you really want to mention with your friend group. But he's a guy. He's nice. He's, he's harmless, but he's not someone that does it for you. The word that we hear is chemistry. I have no chemistry. That's a guy. And guys find themselves going back and forth between guy, F-boy, F-boy, guy, after they get tired of the game. They meet a girl. She's an attractive. In his, in his mind, he labels her. She's a 10. She's got everything going on. She's everything I want in a wife but she's not attracted to him. She's not interested in him. She's still lingering with another F boy. So he takes that as a slight. He has to get out of that stance from science. That's a man by science, but women who date males often use these type of words when describing him. He's kind of lost directionless, kind of emotional, not really in charge of his emotions, really kind of led by the crowd. It's a male. Males just follow the pack. They follow the crowd. They're not leaders within any organization that they find themselves a part of. They're just kind of members, and but they want leader outcomes. Um, and there's a whole section in the book that talks about that. I, I guarantee your audience would love that, um, that section. So those are kind of the three areas where you will find those men groups. But then we get into just a standard man. And then in the book, I talk about productive man, blue collar, white collar, modern and traditional. Uh, let's stay away from white collar, blue collar. We, I think we kind of know that just off of job. That's important because the type of job or profession that someone has as a man that leads them to be productive is going to dictate the type of outcome they can have with the relationship. Typically, you don't see a man who is blue collar working in construction on high rises dating a doctor. Not to say it won't happen. I think your female doctor group will take a construction guy in a heartbeat, especially if she's not getting dating outcomes, but typically they're not equally yoked. So she typically finds someone else in that professional white collar class. The modern man is what we see the most of uh, because it's uh, as of this recording in 2022, modern men are okay with 50-50. Modern women say they're okay with 50-50. I believe that both groups are being dishonest. Just, just my personal opinion. 50-50 means that we're going to split all of the things, all of the responsibilities, all of the roles. Now, let me give you this, this caveat, and this is going to trigger the men in your audience. I am not talking about gender roles. I am not advocating and saying that as a man, you have to do, be the provider only, and she has to take care of the home. I believe people should work in their superpower. If I have the superpower of teleportation, and transference. I need to be teleporting and transferring things around to get things moved quickly. I have no business moving things that are heavy because I do not have the superpower of strength. So in some instances, in some relationships, we have found because modern men have spent time as F-boys, male, guy, they have more of the softer skills related to home that were traditional order, such as budgeting, things that used to be traditional wise roles. Men are doing it at a, at a high level. And in some instances, when they get into a relationship, they do it better than the woman that they're with. And that's fine. Work in your superpower. And if you guys don't want to stick to those roles, give yourself time for transference. If I'm a guy and I've been cooking for myself for 15 years. And then I have a woman who comes along who has been working in her profession, ordering takeout. She has no idea really how to manage a kitchen or a household, which is fine. So you just have to know what you're working with in order to meet the middle ground. And then so we see we see our modern men really uh, struggling with the 50-50 at a certain point. 
wanting to do more, but not be not feeling like they can. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, the traditional man and the modern man are where we find most uh, husbands uh, for from a future reference standpoint. It's funny that you were talking about that a woman would not want to be with a blue collar worker uh, if it's in a certain position. And I remember a few mm -hmm. years ago, I was watching opera and she had this lady on who was married with a millionaire. And she gave that up to be with uh, with uh, the person who collects garbage. So, you know, it, it's funny because you never wow. know. Yes. And says, I never got what she wanted from. He, he was available. I think one of the, the major thing in life is to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, you are not going to be able to, to uh, find the right person. And you have a very interesting um, idea, which actually it served since human, since humans are on this earth, the leaders and the helpers. I mean, mm -hmm. in the old times, the caveman was going uh, out and hunting, and still the man wants to hunt. Mm -hmm. That's their role. And the woman was home uh, making food, taking care of the children. And it was a very strong relationship. Do you think that this um, disposable society, because we live in a disposable mm. times, everything it's okay, let's get the new, let's get the new, has something to do with just ditching the the marriage that you have now and you have maybe two, three kids because on the other side of the fence, there is a woman who you think, oh, it's going to be perfect because you are, I think you are not thinking logically. You are you are driven by your hormones or but what whatever. <laughs> well, I think there was a lot in that statement. So let's let's first address the leader and the help. So I believe relationships work best when people are roles and responsibilities as leader and help. From my report, childcare. When my wife tells me when to pick up or drop off, what daycare we're going to, what costume to wear for Halloween, when we're taking pictures. I follow that. Who's going to babysit? Do you like this babysitter? She leads on that because her passion for caring for our children is one of is the most important passion that she has right now. So I follow on that and I follow really, uh, the, this this is the word, compliantly. There's just compliance you're going to get. Now, if there's something that's egregious from a safety standpoint, which it doesn't happen because of her intention, I just, I, I follow on that. Uh, from a lead standpoint, I may lead with the activities around finance and long-term strategy and planning because that's kind of my superpower. She follows. But ultimately, in the relationship dynamic, for people who are of faith, whether it's Christian, Jewish, Muslim, what you the, the typical belief is that once you are in alignment with your God, and as a Christian, mine with my God, God is the head, then I am the head of the household as I follow God. My wife follows me and the children follow my mother. Whenever something in the household is out of alignment, we have to check where we are. If I feel my wife is out of order, I have to check where I am with my prayer, my devotion, and my time before God. If she's, if she's feeling the kids are out of order or she's not getting the response that she wants, she has to check if she is in my alignment. And then because we submit ourselves to that with God, I have to always be listening. I always have to be following his his word and following the instruction that's provided so that I can lead my family to our ultimate purpose. That is the same thing. That is the that is the religions that we I just spoke of, uh, the similar structure. And in that, it's man and woman. Modern relationships don't have that. Modern relationships typically are run off of who earns what. So an, an example that I like to use, Sarah is a high earning attorney uh, that works in the state of New York, making $700,000 a year. She's dating another fellow attorney who's at 400. Because of her earning and her success, she believes that she should lead. What Sarah will say behind closed doors, I don't want to have to lead here in my relationship. I want him to lead. But because of the money dynamic, it's, it's a struggle. And they try to deal with 50-50 who does what I'll do this, you do that, you deal with the kids, I'll deal with work, things like that. And it's now there's no there's no structure around the relationship. The most important thing you can do to get to the middle ground with your significant other, uh, if you're dating and you want to get to long term marriage, is make sure you guys are on the same page about the middle ground. 
because seasonality happens in every relationship, dating, marriage. There will be a season where she has the hot hand and he needs to follow the hot hand. She has the opportunities to perform. She has the opportunities to lead a case. She has the opportunities for surgery. Uh, she has the opportunities for residency. And then you support that. And then it will flip in most instances, unless you're Mackenzie Scott, former uh, wife of Bezos, she's marrying a teacher that's about to retire because what she wanted was something more simple. I just need emotional support. Someone that's invested in me. I'm giving away half the wealth that I got out of this divorce. So it all, it, it kind of varies based on um, the relationship, but ultimately you want to get to a situation where you have a leader and you have a helper and whether that's with uh, significant, important milestones, significant, important time investments, such as childcare and finances, who's leading, who's going to help, and then who's the helper in the law and the relationship over time. It's interesting. I had um, a cup when I came to Canada first time, and it was written behind every successful man, there is a woman telling him he's wrong. So it, it's basically uh, how it came to a point that this feminism, I think it gets out of hand. That's my opinion, because I, I was al always uh, for, yes, uh, to vote, to uh, to be able to work. But now it's like, why should I stay home with the child? It's like being a housewife. It's like people, they look at you funny. How can you stay home? Why don't you want to have a career? Mm -hmm. And I know men, uh, if the wife earns more, the husband stays home and takes care of the kid. But it was his choice. But those men I look down at. I think if you know yourself, if you take the time to, to know what are your values. And I think when, when people meet, if the values are the same, then you can work the on the rest of it. But if your values are very different, it's not going to happen that you're going to have a very, very smooth relationship. That's my opinion. I don't know what what you think about that. No, I think I think that opinion is valid um, because there again in, in our society, there is the option for both. There's the option for the woman to lead from a professional standpoint uh, and the man to stay home with children. And it, I, I don't know if your audience has seen there are some comedians out there who talk about that. They're like, hey, yeah, I've been a stay-at-home dad for the last two years, and it's it's hard, but it's not <laughs> as hard as my wife has made it out to be. <laughs> and so he's gone from a career as a program software programmer, and now he's just dealing with diapers. There's a guy on, and 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 shout out to him. His name is Tidy Husband and Tidy Dad. They're two guys. They had they they stay at home. Don't know what their wives do, but they both have three children, and they're just giving advice on how to make the home tidy. Every time wife comes home, food's food's ready, kids are together, the house is tidy, and everything stays orderly and in fashion. And in one instance, she was like, I don't know how you got them to do this, but you're doing this forever. So it works in those two scenarios, and they've actually put a business around that through social commentary. I think the biggest problem that we have with uh, what you said in your opinion is we, we had a big change with social media. So social media has given the perception incorrectly something that you talked about in our first statement about the, the path not taken. So if I see that my friends who work their careers are having a lot of success, they're on LinkedIn, they're doing a great job, they're on social media, they have their family and they're leading it, it gives the perception that everyone's happy with that decision. And that may not be the case. So I always recommend and coach around let your relationship lead your relationship, not anyone else. We have too many influences outside of the relationship that are not, even if they're well-intentioned, designed to have the relationship. I say, have a conversation on what you want and then have a discussion on if that's what the other person wants. And be okay if they say no, because just like you believe on social media, there's another option. There will be someone else out there that will be great for you. You can take the learning lesson and move to it. I am a big advocate for people overcoming past hurts and past traumas through therapy. It's not really that popular right now, especially uh, with, you know, the exec executives and people in the business space. But having someone professionally to talk to about some of your 
concerns and learning how to articulate it can probably be the best investment someone can make over a two-year period. They will see exponential growth in their career success and their relationship success, both you know, romantic and you know, platonic and familial, by going through a process and getting getting a hold of the why for what they're feeling. We got too many people who haven't gone through that process who are out here dating. They're out here dating and they haven't dealt with the trauma from when they were 13, 14, 15 years old, 20 years old, 35 years old, 45 years old, 56, and they're still out here saying, I don't understand what's going on. You have to be very reflective and introspective in order to get the outcome you want in order to reach the middle ground. You're absolutely right. I think people expecting the other person to uh, figure out what they want. So there's no communication. And there is there is a victimhood this these times. Mm. I don't know. I always hear, oh, my childhood, I was bullied. I was this. But now you are a grown up. So can you just leave it there, deal with it? And I know someone that only one guy I know, only one guy, and I met lots of people who before he got married, he went and uh, saw a therapist because his family life was really screwed up. And now they have an amazing relationship. He did not mm-hmm. carry that that burden and that weight on his shoulders. And we, we see when, we, when people are... Um, communicating and they are dating one word can trigger the other person's reaction or response in a very negative way yeah i mean the the biggest word that i've that i've seen that triggers the people is whatever what do you mean whatever <laughs> <laughs> i just well you mean whatever and then that goes into a whole two hour discussion which really means my mom said whatever to me like that and i never felt like i got the love that i wanted and no one can articulate that and if you articulate it, then maybe your significant other can kind of guard against that. But it's still on you to do the work to move past it. We can't. It, you're right. So there is a victimhood mentality in the book. I talk about that. Guys and males subscribe to the victimhood mentality. I have been a part of the victimhood mentality. Once I got out of the victimhood mentality, I saw exponential success come my way as I did the work to move past what I thought made me a victim. And there are more people like me who, who need to start saying that than people who are just saying that they're a victim regardless. Now, that's not to discount anyone who has any trauma, anyone who is suffering from anything related to a mental health. My prayer, my encouragement is that you get the professional help and you get the, you know, the relationships and the friendship support to help you work through that. But I will always say it's something that you're going to have to work through and only you can do it. You have to do the work. And the other thing, I think accountability, you talk a lot about accountability. And mm-hmm. I find that uh, people, they are, they don't. And you said something on the other hand, women don't like accountability, which also impacts their relationship outcome. And I was referring what how the accountability of women is different from men because you mentioned the woman yeah so uh, uh, let's just put it to your audience as a question here and maybe they'll comment is accountability something you struggle with and if it if it's no give me an example when someone has said you're not being accountable that you dismissed accountability is hard for everyone i am saying in the book as we talked in relation uh, to the relationship our society tells men when they're wrong. We have guardrails and we have um, we have systems in place to keep us in check. We're always working to be the best versions of ourselves. If we're not having success, there's no one to come save us. Accountability, even from the standpoint of when you have a young girl all the way up to adulthood, is really hard for some group of the women that we have. And in most instances, modern men will say that would be modern women. I can't be accountable because ego and pride say, I'm doing very well professionally. I'm, I look great. I'm in the gym. Don't have a bunch of kids running around. I got money in the bank. I got my own car. I got my own thing. That has nothing to do with accountability. Accountability has, is a one-to-one relationship based off a of stated expectation. So if you find yourself in the relationship and you're not getting the communication or the outcomes you want, first thing you have to ask is, am I being accountable for my actions or my statements? And when someone says that, that's when they start to see significant growth 
in their relationship. And also I find another thing um, that when you ask people who they are, they start enumerating their achievements. Mm -hmm. And if you take out your achievements or you take out the name like a CEO, like a president, like whatever, then who are you? And until you can, you are able to answer those questions as a person who you are, I don't think the relationship is going to go so, so well. Yeah, I believe you have to know who you are before you enter into any romantic relationship. It has to be clear. Um, the model that I've given young men, 18 to 30, put your head down. They, they often get triggered on that. Well, you, know, you mean put my head down. I need you working on a high value skill that the market deems valuable because a high value skill that the market deems valuable will pay you over a lifetime. There will always be in demand. Charles Barkley has said there are basically five professions, doctor, teacher, police, fireman, military. And I think he said cook. He said everyone else just needs to shut up and enjoy life. <laughs> and I say those those professions I just mentioned are irreplaceable. You it's can't true. replace a teacher. You can't replace a doctor, someone that's in the medical field. You can't replace our military and first responders and uh, police officers. You can't replace a cook. If no one's cooking, who's doing it? And that, matter of fact, it was cook and farmer. So cook, farmer, we're, we're kind of the area. That's how we get our food. Everyone else, we have the luxury to live great lives, depending on our location, based on just the systems being you know, established. Um, but I would say that it, it is important for you to know who you are outside of your profession, to know what you want. That's why in the book, I talk about just the overall model and speak, getting back to that for men, 18 to 30, put your head down, build that high value skill with that high value skill to pay you over a lifetime. And once it pays you over a lifetime at 30, pick your head up at 30, see what the market is providing when it comes to a suitable helper or a mate. You have been working for the last 12 years to develop a high value skill. You have more at risk than if you're just a guy working a job at Starbucks or at a district manager at a grocer. If you've been working on a high value skill and building that up, the type of woman that you're going to select, you're going to be more strategic about your selection. So at 30, you look up and you see women from 22 to 35 and you're like, all right, some things that are important to me. I know that I've been working on my career the last 12 years, working on myself. I'm going in this direction. I am, and let's say I'm an advertising executive. I'm ready to go be an advertising supervisor. I'm bringing in new accounts for advertising. I need someone who's going to fit within the advertising world. I'm dealing with advertising execs. I'm dealing with executives for companies that I'm trying to court. I'm gonna to have to do activities within the community. I like to work out. I like to go back to my school's homecoming every two years. I like to spend time with my family. I need someone who fits. This guy at 30 knows himself, not the boy or the guy at 22. He doesn't know what he wants. So he's just going to chase, unfortunately, what he wanted at 14, 15, 16. At 14, 15, 16, he typically finds himself trapped with a city girl. So then, yeah, so then... You're at 30. You put your head back down. You're like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and get to this next position of supervisor. He comes back 33, 35. All right. I'm now supervisor and I'm a partner at my ad agency. Uh, we're looking. I'm on the, the equity track. If we get bought out by one of the larger companies, it's going to be a huge payday for me. So I'm going to focus on that until I'm 40. Who's coming with me is what he should say. Do you think anyone in your audience between the ages of 22 and 35 wouldn't pick that guy? Forget what he looks like. Uh, and I'll throw it. He's six foot. He makes six figures, has a six pack, has his own house, has his own car, doesn't live with his mama, loves his mama, but not a mama's boy. Anyone in the audience wouldn't pick him. So now he is on the path of high value because of his character, because of his earnings, because of his consistency, and because of the network of other like-minded men. So now as he picks a woman, he's going to be more discerning because that woman has to fit in the mold and be more traditional. Uh, modern, if he wants modern, or be high value herself. Yeah. And um, for high value for men, the earning, the earn, the earning is important, but for women, it is not. It requires definitely discipline, totally like what you wrote. That men actually they don't want to want to impress the women, but they want to impress their fellow men. No, 
F boys, guys, and males impress women. And I'm sorry, ladies, if you find the men you are most attracted to are not out here trying to impress you. They're out here in their purpose, in their passion. And if you want to come along for the ride, they're willing to have a conversation about it. When I make that comment about men are looking for the approval of other like-minded, high, high-earning, high-value men, it's just a social norm based, based off of science and evolution. The stronger lions go with strong lions. The stronger wolves go with strong wolves to run in the pack. And that makes them stronger together. So men are craving that connection with other fellow men in that same space, whether it be headspace, financial space, uh, professional space, because it makes us stronger. That's why it's important for when I, when I talk to men who are looking to go to uh, high value status, I ask them a couple of questions. How, what do you earn? How long have you been earning it? What are your community pursuits? Do you, are you a person of faith? What do you believe? What do you want long-term in a relationship? And then I say, what men are you around? around my fraternity brothers from college. Okay, what do they do? And then they start going down the list and like, those men are not going to get you to where you want to go. Love them from a distance, but you need to be with men who are doing better than you. You need to be the dumbest man in the room and the brokest man in the room. That right there can put people on a five-year track of where they will start to see the exponential grow. Because then you start seeking out relationships with other like-minded men who are moving in the direction, moving with the same passion, moving with the same purpose and intensity in there and intention in their relationship, it holds you accountable. Accountability for that group of men is the deal. You're going to come in here and you're going to be accountable. If you're not earning more year over year, we're going to ask you why. If you're not going home to your family, we're going to ask you why. But I love how you you mention it because it has to sink in. The people mm-hmm. you surround yourself that's who you are because people they looking not just you but your friends and if you have some convicts or whatever then uh they're going to question uh what kind of person you are i find that that men and generally i mean people but generally men are more um they are emotional but there is such an aggression lately they are aggressive and I live in uh, in Canada, it's less mm-hmm. aggression. But when I look at, at the States and I see people killing each other and mm. and having that that how to say that anger, it's so painful to watch because I cannot imagine mothers, fathers uh, losing their children. Yeah, just, you know, yeah, you're talking about, you know, the aggression and let's clarify for the audience and anyone else who's listening down the line. We're not talking about alpha men, which is the term that I'm hearing in the space a lot. Alpha men leading and being assertive. That's not what we're talking about. I believe that violence is good in one form. You come from my wife, you come from my children, you come from my immediate family or my property we're going to have to have a violent conversation about it. Any other violence against a, a man or a woman is a tragedy in any any instance. And my heart goes out to, to individuals who that. We've had family members who have been victims of violence, um, you know, over the recent years. So it's nothing to scoff at or play with. What you're describing is what I talk about in the opening chapter of the book with my grandfathers. Both of them came home from World War II. They survived World War II, which is just the first miracle. Then they moved to the same town. Both grew up in rural Mississippi, rural Mississippi in the 1930s and 40s. So they survived that, went to World War II, survived that, moved to the north during the Great Migration and were able to find gainful employment. They built high value skills at that time around carpentry, plumbing, mechanics, electrical, um, masonry, things that were needed in the area of the country that they lived as cities were booming. So both of them helped build kind of the Chicagoland area. They would go in on the train every day, come back. They purchased a home, cash. They purchased late model cars, cash. They married one woman and they both had seven children. The thing that kept them going was the community. They both lived in the same exact neighborhood. My parents met each other young on the same street. 
But what kept them going was the accountability from the men's side and the accountability from the woman's side to the marriage, to the family, and to the community. So no one was breaking in anyone's houses. No one was committing acts of violence without having to explain themselves to the full community. And I believe that that's something that led to their long-term success. Both of, both of my grandfathers died married to the same woman. Wow. Um, so, and I think the overall stru structure that they had and the overall success that they had and longevity in their marriage was due to the community impact and the community effort around keeping people together and keeping people uh, for the long-term goal in mind. I was reading about this uh, tribe in uh, in Congo and uh, where is it? In Zambia. And mm -hmm. uh, the tribe name is Babemba. Or Babemba. Mm -hmm. And I love their their approach to uh, to people who uh, make an error, people who they do a mistake, or people who do something even bad. The whole community gets together, and if it has to be for three days, they don't go to work. Everybody's together, and instead instead of putting the person down who did the crime, they are sending them love and they re reminding them each person of the of that community reminds mm. the person what is amazing about them mm. can you imagine for three days to hear something that how incredible you are would you be willing to do another mistake or another another crime if you have all that support instead of sending them to jail they're building mm -hmm. them up to be a better people for that community. Yeah. So what are the outcomes of that? So are they are they finding that as that crime has been committed, they, they have a zero percent crime rate or close to zero yes. percent crime rate? Yes. Yes. If, it, if it, it doesn't happen often, but if it happens, then the community gets together. So we hear about kids. You are so stupid. You are you. You won't make it. You are this, mm -hmm. you are that, you are mm -hmm. crazy. But if we are putting uh, very positive reinforcements, those kids are going to think differently. That's my, that's what I, it's my take on it. Mm -hmm. No, it's a, I mean, it's an interesting take. It's a, a valuable take. Um, I think that's why the, the family dynamic, regardless of if it's single or two parent is important, especially for children. You, you guys have to be on the same page. This isn't, you know, kind of the podcast, but uh, the discussion we're having, but I, I think that in any scenario where you have any individual that's receiving more positive affirmations than negative reinforcement, I think you're going to get a better outcome. It's great. I mean, if uh, the community is everything and it's too bad people don't realize it. By the way, just a little sidetrack. In my country that time, I lived under the communism, uh, under mm -hmm. dictatorship, and every boy had to go to to the army before they could go to university or college. And they were saying that they went as boys and they came out as men. What age did they go? Like 17, 18? 17, 18. They were going mm -hmm. and they were coming out. They were in the army one and a half, two years. And by the time they came back, they had different values. They had, they, they were like, they were not mama's boys, but they were very self-sufficient and they knew what they want. If they would be some camps for, because I'm thinking about the future. You have a son. I have uh, a son and I have two grandsons. And I'm thinking what's going to happen in the future if we don't, if we don't do something now to help them to, uh, to be stronger. And not everybody's as uh, fortunate as your son, because mm -hmm. it's you and your wife who is doing everything. Or I have my son and his wife, they doing everything. There are kids who are not that fortunate. It's it needs an outlet for me. I'm looking for solutions. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm bringing this up because those those boys they are going to become men. But mm -hmm. let's let's dive into something. And this is the last part. You says identify what you really really want. Uh, those are mm -hmm. some of your steps that you're asking people before they when they go in a relationship. Yes. So I think you're talking about the, towards the end of the book, because yes, this is yes. part one that we're speaking about. Part two will be available in 2023. And part part two has been called the hope. 
in part one has been called the the hurt. <laughs> People have read it and been a little hurt by what they've read, which is fine. Um, I think I think any dialogue or discourse may have a little bit of hurt or a little bit of pain, but ultimately, as long as we're getting to a desired outcome uh, for everyone involved, I think we're good. Uh, but but I talk about identifying what you want. What I wanted at 16 is not what I need at 65. So by living in a 16-year-old boy's desire, you end up making 16-year-old boy mistakes at 30. And you don't want to be in that situation. So you have to do the evaluation and be honest with yourself. So some things that I talk about as it relates to identifying what you want, it's important to identify what you want because you can then have a serious conversation about, okay, I think this is what I want. If I'm a guy that's six foot two, athletic, making $75,000 a year, I'm probably going to want a, a female or a woman that is five, six to five, eight, making $50,000 a year, athletic. We're like-minded. I qualify for that in that scenario. But if I am five, eight, 425, no slothful, no ambition, nor goals. And I meet a 5'8 woman who's making 125, athletic, comes from a good home, qualify for that. I don't qualify for that in that scenario. So knowing what you want helps you work on the input. So let's say I'm the guy that weighs 425. I have to look at myself in the mirror and say that this is not the way that I want to live because I want to be healthy, I want to have a family, and I want to be here for my family. So the first thing it's going to have to do is admit that there's a problem. Second is get yourself into a program or into a gym that's going to help you burn more calories than you intake and take time off to work on your body. Also take time to work on your mind and also spend your remaining time working on a high value skill. Once I do those three things as that guy, I'm going to put myself in a different category when it comes to figuring out what I qualify for. So now that I know what I qualify for was the woman that I spoke, I'm now going to figure out what does she want? See, see right here, there's introspection and accountability, and then there's consideration. Because you have to consider what does this other person want from me? And then if they want someone who's fit, they want someone who's financially savvy, they want someone who's friendly and a family person, I have to be those things and I have to be those things consistently. Then once I know what I qualify for, I qualify for it, I know what they want, I have to go in and do the work and and ask myself, am I willing to do this long-term? If I'm willing to do it long-term, then I can get to the middle ground and I can have the relationship outcome. Where we get tripped up is... We don't qualify for what we want. We get upset when what we don't qualify for what we want doesn't want us. And then if we do luck into getting what we do want that we don't qualify for that doesn't want us, we get upset when that person wants something different. I I can't wait to read the book that you're going to bring out because I really enjoyed what you wrote now. And it's so much needed. It's like, really, it's needed. And what I said that I love that it's such a short book. It's mm-hmm. not like three, four hundred pages. You have no excuse not to read it because mm-hmm. in one day you can read it. You go back because it's a lot of information if you want to. I, I will give people the best advice that I received on the book. If you have a Southwest flight anywhere in the, you know, North America, get the book, read it on the way out, ponder it while you're on your trip, read it on the way back and highlight and highlight and write questions down. Because in our community for the middle ground book, that is what that is what we want. We want there to be dialogue and conversation with the community about the content so we can reach the middle ground. We can't reach the middle ground by me just telling people to reach it. We actually have to have dialogue and we actually have to connect with one another. So, yes, that is. Thank you for that, because the book I I purposely wanted to create something that I myself would really read. I have a bookshelf here in my office and the majority of the books are less than 125 pages, meaning they get straight to the point. And each of them can vary from, you know, books about professional development, personal development, sales playbooks, uh, religion, uh, faith. There's a couple of cookbooks over there, some real estate books. All of them uh, have that in common. The, our attention 
spans are shorter. We have, we're more distracted. We have more opportunity to be distracted or entertained. So the most important thing is to get the content out in the way that people can digest it. I started uh, using um, audiobooks mm-hmm. because sometimes I'm busy or I travel and it's easy. I do something in the kitchen. I do something somewhere else and I'm always able to listen or I, you know, it, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. So if yeah, you want so- to put it out on uh yeah, so we have we have an audio version, uh, we have Kindle, and we have Kindle Unlimited, and then we have a paperback version. Um, so all of those are available on Amazon.com. Uh, you can also connect with them on the middlegroundbook.com uh, as the best way to purchase them. There's also our social pages uh, that will be in the description that I'll provide to you. Uh, we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube uh, for long form and short form videos like this, Instagram and our Facebook page. Our Facebook page is where our community will be housed and we'll be able to reshare and repost the content on our website as well. And if people want to get in touch with you? Yeah, so it's uh, com is our uh, business page for our consulting practice. Uh, and then the middlegroundbook.com uh, is where you go to find more information about the community work directly with other like-minded individuals. I am now back into booking personal one-to-one coaching sessions and other podcasts. It has been great to kind of grow the community through that method, as well as connecting with other individuals such as you and for your audience. But it's been a pleasure uh, just going kind of through this journey. Nothing that I expected when I woke up in 2020, thinking that two years later, two and a half years later, we'd be out with the book, out promoting the book, but it's been a, a, a very interesting and very fun journey. Well, congratulations. You did an amazing job and uh, I'm going to list all the information on the bottom when uh, I post uh, my pot, uh, the podcast. And it was such a pleasure to have you. You have any last um, sayings to the, to the people or any comments? Yes, so to the audience. It is not impossible to get the relationship outcomes that you're seeking and sacrifice the professional success that you enjoy. All you have to do is get together and reach the middle ground. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Yes, thank you. Thank you for listening. And please, if you have any questions or any comments, don't forget to get in touch with me or get in touch with Glenn and ask any questions you have in mind to see how he would be able to help you or how I can help you. So until next time, goodbye.